But praying is, um, it's been interesting this week as we started this idea of prayer and talking about praying it forward and praying for people in front and in back of us and to the side and then praying that, uh, that God's Spirit would be in this place. Um, I realized that a lot of times prayer is a difficult thing. And not just even praying in public, but even when we're praying, uh, when we're praying for ourselves or by ourselves and we're alone, uh, how difficult it is a lot of times even to, uh, to even concentrate. So let me ask you this. If I were to, and I'm not going to ask you now, but just kind of hypothetically, if I were to ask you to pray for, uh, for three minutes, would that be a difficult task to accomplish? Because many of us, were, we have a kind of a, 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 maybe a low level, maybe high level attention deficit syndrome of some kind, and we start praying and we start thinking, I'm not even sure I'm supposed to, I'm, I even know what I'm supposed to be praying about right now. And then all of a sudden, the, uh, the ringer on our phone begins to ding, and we have text messages coming in that we absolutely have to uh, respond to right there in the middle of praying to God. Or, um, for some of us that um, are extremely distracted, we start looking around and realize that uh, there's some cleaning that I should be doing, um, and that needs to happen right now, so God, I'm going to take a break just for a second, I'm going to go take care of that. And we're distracted by all kinds of things. It's amazing that when you start thinking about the life of Jesus and his three and a half years that he spent with his disciples, of all the things that he did, the one thing that they asked him to teach them to do was how to pray. Now, these are guys that had been uh, good Jewish guys. Well, some of them, some of them had some character issues, but they, from birth, they'd been taught how to pray, but they saw something different in the way that Jesus prayed. He said, Lord, would you teach us to pray? 2,000 years later, we still come to Jesus asking the same question. Would you teach us how to pray? And we're thankful that on a hillside 2,000 years ago, in the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, he gave us a model on how to do that. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me this morning to the New Testament book of Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to look again. And we're going to continue this series on praying it forward as we look at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount and what we call the Lord's Prayer. More accurately, we can describe this as the model prayer, that Jesus gave us a model. He didn't, a lot of times we'll take this and we'll pray it and make it a prayer. That's nothing wrong with that, but he gave us a model in exactly how to pray. Beginning in verse 9, Jesus says this, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Go back to verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name. Last week we saw and looked at the first part of this passage where it said, Our Father in heaven. And the whole, the rest of the model prayer comes back to that. It's based on that we have a Father in heaven who has adopted us into his family. He has given us the keys of the kingdom, the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and we are part of, of a huge family. And because of that, we are no longer orphans. We've been adopted, and now we have an inheritance. We have an identity. Everything has changed about us. 
And because we have this Father in heaven, it dictates and it defines the rest of this, of this passage and the rest of this model prayer. But we take the next step in verse 9. Pray then, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed literally means to lift high, to make worthy. And so that's what we've done this morning. Clint and the band have led us into a time into the throne room of God where we have had an opportunity to lift up high the name of Jesus, to hallow it in this place. And when we have a time of prayer, it's also a time where we can give personal worship and personal adoration and personal respect to our Heavenly Father by in our time alone with Him of hallowing His name. But this word has a much deeper context to it. Go back to verse 9 where it says, our Father, and it's a community and a communal type prayer. It's all of us together. And so when we say we're, we want, hallowed be your name, he doesn't say, I want you to hallow the name of Jesus. It's us praying that, God, you make your name high, you make it worthy, and make others to the point where they come to a point of respecting you and honoring you and worshiping you. So the idea that when we pray this type of prayer, we're not only offering our own personalized praise to God, but it's also a prayer that out there that the name of Jesus would be lifted up. And so I was thinking this past week, what does that mean for us? If we pray this prayer or this, this part of the prayer that the name of God is found worthy, that it's hallowed not just in the body of Christ, but in every aspect of our community, that in Heartland the name of God is hallowed, in Forney the name of God is hallowed, in Crandall, in Kaufman, in Seagaville, in Combine, in all the communities that are around us in northwest Kaufman County, that the name of God is hallowed, made worthy, and it's respected. What does that mean for us as the body of Christ? If we want it to be hallowed in our schools that we go to school uh, Monday through Friday, what does that mean for us as the body of Christ? The places that you will go to work either after this or tomorrow is the name of God hallowed in the places where you work. Is it lifted high? Is it honored? Is it respected? Is it worshipped? We're just saying, worthy is the name. But is that, are we praying that prayer that, yes, it's found worthy in this place amongst this group of people, amongst this body of Christ, but when we leave this place, what does that mean at that point? We live in a day and time where taking the Lord's name in vain is just accepted. It doesn't cause us to cringe like it did several years ago. So my question to you is, when it comes to your life and where you will go from this place, what are you going to do to make the name of God hallowed, the name of Jesus respected and worshipped? What are you going to do? What does that mean for us? I know uh, several years ago I grew up in a church and I said one of the, the, the greatest fears of people is to stand in front of people and talk, much less get up in front of people and pray. And what we, but the, the church I grew up in, I don't know why we did this. And looking back, we did a, a lot of weird stuff, but um, one of the things at the end of the service, and it wasn't just the one I grew up in, but I was a youth minister at a little country church, and we did it there as well. To end the service, the pastor of the church would call upon someone to pray out loud in front of everybody else. Now, some of you started ducking your eyes right then because you didn't want me to call upon you. And I thought that was so, uh, and, and as teenagers, what do you think we did? We crawled underneath our chairs because we did not want to make eye contact with anyone. And so then they would pray, and it would just be this kind of very big and awesome type prayer, and we realized I could never pray like that. Yet it wasn't a prayer that 
was really honoring God. It was a prayer that was drawing attention to myself and, and to themselves. And really what we're doing is going right back to addressing what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. You had Jewish men who were the religious types of the day that they would pray so people would see how religious they were. And then you had the, the Gentile uh, religious people that kept saying the same things over and over again in order the hopes that God would listen to them. And Jesus is coming to us today and he's saying, but you've got a father that's already listened to you because you're his child. Lift up his name. So what does that mean for us? This past week I saw two things that I want to pass along to you as far as what it means to hallow the name of God and what the consequences are of that. And I thought, this one happened honestly to me uh, on Monday night. What I see when we start beginning, we begin to hallow the name of Jesus, that God's name is greater than any problem that we may have. That God's name is greater than any problem that we may face on a daily basis. Psalm chapter 59, I'm sorry, 52 verse 9. The psalmist says this, For what you have done, I will always praise you in the presence of your faithful people. Look what it says. And I will hope in your name. Why? For your name is good. So when we attach the name of God to his power, it is good, and we can have hope. No matter what you're facing right now, because of the idea of coming and giving honor to the name of the Father, and coming and giving honor to the name of Jesus, his Son, there is hope in that, and we can find great power in that name. So whatever you're facing right now as you come into this place, whether it's marriage, whether it's job, whether it's finances, whatever you may be uh, entangled up right now, God is saying to you, when you lift up my name, there is great power in store for you, for whatever your problem may be. In fact, this past Monday night, uh, my wife Kathy and I went to, uh, to visit uh, a man who was about to have surgery. Uh, he's the father of, uh, of a young lady that's in, in our church, and this was, and I can't remember now at this point how many surgeries this had been, but he was having heart surgery. He'd had aneurysms, and I think this was like the third one, uh, and it was just, it's just a bad situation. And the doctor said, we're going to have to crack him open, and we're not sure what's going to happen with this aneurysm. Um, so there's a good chance that he may go into surgery and not come back out again. We walked into his, into his hospital room, and he's sitting there like there's nothing wrong with him in the world. And so my prayer was this. We talked for a little bit, and I said, God, we selfishly ask for a miracle right now. But if not, we ask that you be with the hands of the doctors and the expertise that they have, that the miracle would come by you working in and through them. About Tuesday afternoon, I got a, another text message that said that it was actually worse than what they anticipated. But because um, the expertise of the doctors, they took care of him, he was then in the recovery room, and I thought, God, I don't know which part of my prayer that you answered. All I know is that you did. And we were talking to the family, and as you're talking, and you realize that when you begin to hallow the name of Jesus, that no matter what problem you have, whether it's on an operating bed or whatever else is in your life, that God says, I am in control of your life. There's great power in the name of Jesus. So what if you come into this place questioning what have you come into this place struggling with the first thing you need to understand is that you have a father that cares and you have a father and his name has great power so i don't know if we go to the father enough we go to him when as a last resort what we need to do is begin to go to him as a first resort the only resort 
when tough times come into our lives. See, Jesus is talking to a group of people that are downtrodden. They don't see themselves as, as very spiritual. They don't see themselves as very good. And I'm thinking he is talking directly to us today. That's us. And he says, there's great power in my name. So when we begin to look at what it means to hallow the name of Jesus, God's name is greater than any problem that we may have. It has hope, and it is good. And here's the second thing I want you to see. That because his name is greater than any problem, that mission flows from this worship of him. When we begin to worship his name, when we begin to exalt his name, when we get to lift up his name and hallow his name, what that does is it begins to compel us to go do something for his name. It brings mission into our lives so that other people will know that there's hope in the name of God. Let me show you what I mean. Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. I was reading this passage this past week in my time with God. He says this, Now there was a church at Antioch, prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a member of the court of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Let me show you something. Mission flows from worship. What were they doing? While they were worshiping, verse 2, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke to them. I'm going to tell you right now, as we gather together for the purpose of worshiping God, of lifting up His name, He's going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you so that you will know, one, that you have a Father, two, that whatever problems you brought in, He says, I can take care of those if you'll give them to me, and, but I'm not going to let you leave this place the same way. I'm going to send you back out. When the body of Christ gathers for worship, when the body of Christ gathers for the purpose of hallowing the name of Christ, Mission occurs at that point when he sends his people back to where they came from. This past week, we had the opportunity to do the first part of our what we call our release church planter training. For those of you that have no idea that, what that is, basically this is where we take the first two days of our training out of four, and we teach men and women how to go to other places and start churches. Brand new ones from scratch. And so we had a group of people come this past Tuesday and Wednesday. They came to the barn, and we had the opportunity to begin the first part of their training. Then on a monthly basis over the next two months, we'll meet online, and then they'll come back for another two days to finish the training. So what they do in between is they get, to, they get the opportunity to practice some of the things that we teach them. And so when we say that we start other churches, it's not just a, a statement or something that's out there. These are real-life people who you have sent out, you've helped finance, you helped finance the training, and you can see the impact that it's going to make above and beyond what we're doing here in Heartland for the purpose of the name of Jesus being lifted up. All these people that you saw here are going to do churches just like this. They may be different groups of people. They may look differently, but what they're doing is the same idea of wanting to see people come to faith in Christ and the name of Jesus be lifted up in so many different ways by engaging in their community. Well, we had the privilege on Tuesday of going to uh, the Crandall School District's administration building. I'm going to tell you something. This is something extremely rare. We went there for the purpose of our superintendent, Dr. Jolly, the assistant superintendent, Chrissy Sterrett, and the high school principal, Gina Dykeman, to teach those men and women what it means to set goals for their church. 
Now, you, not very many places in, in the state of Texas, much less in the United States, would you see a school district coming together for the purpose of teaching people how they're going to start churches and to set goals for that. Most of the time, we're at odds with one another. But here's a group of people in our school district. They said, how can we help? I said, well, here's something we're going to be doing. So we brought lunch, and for a couple of hours, they, they did really honestly did a fantastic job. And so these men and women walked away with tools on how to set goals for their churches. Why? So the name of Jesus can be lifted up and worshipped. Your school district's doing it. People in your school district are doing it. These people are then asking, and the cool part was, as they were leaving, Dr. Jolly's going, here's my card. Ms. Dykeman's telling, here's my cell phone. If you need help when you go, if you need me to contact your superintendent or your high school uh, principal, let me know, and I'll do that for you. Why? Because the kingdom of God is going to be extended through this. Okay? And so I wanted you to see what's going on because you have such an amazing part of that. Now, I don't know, J.J., when you did J.T., if you purposely put him in the woods because he's got the beard and all that kind of stuff going on because he did kind of look like a lumberjack behind him. But in two days' time, we got a lot done for the purpose of the name of Christ being lifted up. Now, I show you that to tell you this. They are not special. There's nothing great about them. You can do the exact same thing. He's calling you to do mission because of your desire to see the name of Jesus lifted up. Where is he calling you? Let me show you one more picture before I'm done. Got this in a, in a text message this past week. This is from one of our churches in, um, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, Hayden Radner is the, the pastor there, and he sent me this. He said, Pastor Kevin, I wanted you to see this because of your financial investment, your praying investment in our church. That in, This is in, I believe, um, if I remember correctly, this is about the end of year number one and a half. And in a year and a half, they've seen 50 baptisms take place in what we call Sin City. That's pretty awesome, don't you think? Absolutely. So when we see this, this is people coming to faith in Jesus who are now going to worship the name of Christ. They're being lifted up. So I want you to know what's taking place, that mission flows from our times of worship. And it doesn't have to be a, a church planner. It doesn't have to be someone who has a degree. It takes everyone in the body of Christ for this area that we live in and beyond to have the name of God hallowed, honored, and lifted up. I got this text message, and I began to think, God, what are you calling us to do? How do you want mission to flow from us? What is that to look like? And then I realized after I saw that over the last two years, here even amongst ourselves, we've seen 48 people baptized in the last two years. I don't know what that means over the last 10, probably a couple hundred. And I began to go, God, well, what is it that you want us to do from now on? What is it that you want us to do in 2018 to see people come to faith in Jesus, call him the Heavenly Father, and begin to lift up his name? And here's my challenge. My prayer is this, that over the next year we would see 50 people come to faith in Christ and be baptized in our body. That is way more. Probably the most that we've ever seen in one year was 31, and that was, last, it was 2016. But I thought, if, if we're going to be serious about people calling on upon the name of Jesus, we're going to be serious about praying for life change in people, that we need to be serious about people stepping into faith in Christ and being baptized into the family of God. And that's going to take every one of us. So are we serious about this, about the name of God being hallowed and honored and worshipped? If we do, then we will realize that his name is powerful. 
And there's no problem in our lives that He cannot overcome when His children run to Him. And two, that when we gather for worship, He then compels us to go and do kingdom work on His behalf. Sure, these people are going to do amazing things, some out in the country, some in the cities, wherever they go, but He's calling us to do the same. And what does He want from you? What mission is He calling you to? Whose lives do you want to see changed because of your desire to see the name of God lifted up? So my challenge to us is this, is begin to pray. Who is in your life? Family, friends, co-workers that needs to step into the kingdom of God? Who needs to place their faith and their trust in Jesus? Begin to pray for them now. What is in your life that you're going, I don't, this is a mess, I don't know what to do with it. Give it to him today. And today we're going to walk out of this place and say, hallowed is the name of Jesus. Let's pray together.